Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Gert Nibblink, and I'll be your host. But I've also got my guy Josh in here with me. Josh, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm I'm excited about all these trades that are happening. It's it's uh, it seems like everyone's worth a king's ransom. I don't know uh, if if Vancouver decides to trade T or uh, J T Miller. I I, I w- what do you think he'd be worth? Like four first round picks or something? Like it's yeah, it's insane. Gotta, yeah, <laughs> it's at least four firsts at this point, right? Like. We've seen some uh, fairly no-name players go for some pretty ridiculous uh, prices in the last little bit here. But um, speaking of that, I am going to be writing an article for anybody who's interested over on applesandgenos.wordpress.com on Monday. Um, Just recapping basically all the trade deadline activity, anything for fantasy that I see as relevant. So you can look forward to that. Um, But because of that, we're doing something a little different here tonight. if you follow the Apples and Genos articles that come out on the website, then you'd probably know that I usually write an article on Mondays called The Truth. Uh, basically, the the format of that article every Monday is I ask for suggestions from the Apples and Genos Discord community on which players have been kind of puzzling to them lately. I dig into those players' recent stats and deployment, try to figure out what we should be doing with them for fantasy moving forward. And because of the trade deadline and wanted to write about that this Monday instead, uh, we're doing the truth in podcast format tonight. So that's what Hutch and I are here to do tonight. But before we get started, I am going to remind you, do check the show description, click the link, and join the free Apples and Genos Discord community. You could have had your puzzling players in for this episode here. Um, There's 300 other fantasy hockey managers in there. We're all talking about these puzzling players and debating back and forth all the time. Hutch and myself are in there. So let's dig into it. Let's get into these puzzling players. Let's go. The first one here is Jakob Vrana. This one was a really popular suggestion. Um, Vrana has always been someone I've been interested in. His rate stats have always been really good, even going back to his time in Washington. Um, With Detroit, as of right now, he's on... The third line with Joe Valeno and Sam Gagne, obviously not exactly what you'd hope to see for your fantasy deployment, but he is on the the top power play right now. Uh, over his last five games, he's averaging 14 minutes, 45 seconds average time on ice, 9.75 shots per 60, 8.13 individual scoring chances for per 60. Uh, the shots are pretty nice. Uh, the individual scoring chances for is okay, I would say. It's... Uh, Probably above average, but not exceptional. Um, the on-ice stats are not as attractive, so is like Corsi 4 per 60 and his on-ice scoring chances 4 per 60. Not as attractive, but pretty understandable, given the fact that he's kind of playing down the lineup a little bit uh, outside of that top power play. Um, they are playing right now as we're recording this. They are just started in the first period against Seattle, so we'll see maybe as we go along if Rana can generate anything here tonight. Um, but... This is kind of a case where I really like the player, uh, not loving the deployment. Going forward, I don't know, Hutch. I'm 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 waffling. He's kind of like a he's kind of like a borderline guy, uh, unless we see him really bumped up in terms of the time on ice. It's just so hard to generate any kind of fantasy relevance under 15 minutes a night. Yeah, PP one's enticing. Um, I I don't like the third line deployment because the the depth in Detroit on offense is just not not great at all. 
Um, he had he jumping out of the gate. He had a fir- a good first couple of games. He had three goals in his first two games, but he's done nothing since. Um, his ice time may be a little bit skewed because um, in the game against Vancouver, he actually had a ten minute misconduct at the end of the second period, so he barely played in the third. So he had ten twenty five time on ice so that is probably skewing the numbers a little bit mm-hmm. um but he he also only played 13 minutes in the game against edmonton where they lost 7-5 and he had zero points and zeros across the board so yeah a tough one to read i think i think watch his deployment and uh if he gets back into that top six i think he still is an interesting um interesting player going into uh, go, going into the playoff weeks um but uh uh, yeah, I, I I'm with you. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of on the bubble there. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's got four games next week, but all on heavy nights. Um, so that's kind of hard to read as well. And then three games the following week. Um, so not a bad schedule. Um, but you might be ending up sitting him on your bench anyway. So do check ahead in your in your lineups and see where he's going to fall for you. If he's going to fall on the bench, then he might be uh, worth dropping and and finding somebody who's actually going to play games for you. Uh, Hutch, why don't you lead us in with the next guy here? Yeah, Igor Sharangovich. Uh, so this is a guy I'm definitely interested in. He's uh, played most of the year on line one with Jack Hughes. Um, so he's he's there right now, uh, but he's only on power play two. But in his last five games, he's averaged 18.34 average time on ice. Uh, he is 53rd in the league uh, in in shots per 60 with 10.99, 58th in the league in individual scoring chances, four per 60 with 11.63 and 55th in the league in on ice scoring chances, four per 60. Um, He's, uh, he's an interesting player. He's, he's streaky. Uh, He only had one game in February without a point. So he was super hot in February, started off really slow this year. Um, But he's, gone gone stretches where he hasn't really done much at all um i really like his deployment uh with jack hughes um hughes has been unbelievable especially in the second half this year um he uh clearly still generates a lot of offense uh, looking at those rate stats that i mentioned uh before and he's in my opinion he's a great stream as long as he's on that top line uh, he has 33 points in 55 games, so nothing to nothing to sniff at there. Similar pace to what he was doing last year, so which isn't bad for a guy who most people hadn't really heard of before this season. Um, what, what do you think of Sharon Govich, Nate? Yeah, I like the player. Um, going back even to last year, as soon as he was on, as soon as he was on that line with Jack Hughes last year, he was doing similar similar amounts of work. Um, so it's not it's not the first time we've seen uh, this kind of stretch of good play as in terms of the advanced stats at least from Sharon Govich um it's going to be hard to work him into your lineup similar to Rana he's got uh, four games next week only one off night and then three games the following week with no off nights um so he's kind of a guy you're gonna have to again look ahead check your lineup see if he's gonna fit into your plans um but definitely I think as long as he's on that top line like 18 and a half minutes time on ice. That's what you're looking for. Uh, if you can find a streamer on the top line with that kind of minutes, um, I think that's a guy you should be interested in. And to go along with that, he's got all the underlying stats that I'm looking for. So I'm definitely interested in Sharon Govich. Yeah, it, it is worth noting that New Jersey doesn't have the best playoff schedule if you're looking at weeks 23 to 25. So um, so I'm a little bit hesitant to hold him uh, for that long. Um, 
but uh, uh, still an interesting player. Um, how about Spencer Knight, Nate? Yeah, so Spencer Knight has kind of taken over for a little bit here. Uh, Bobrovsky has been out with a mysterious illness of some description. Um, not a lot of word on what that is. It might just Very be weird. That it might just be that he got sick and he might have lost a bit of weight. Maybe he was pretty sick. And um, Florida is kind of in a position where they're like, you know what? Um, we've got a guy who can start for us. We're in a good position in terms of the standing. So why don't you just take as long as you need, uh, take a bit of a break here before our stretch run. Um, so that's kind of how I'm treating it. But Knight has been pretty, pretty, pretty solid here. Like, I'm looking at his game log, 946, 923, 875, and then a shutout, 17 save shutout against the Anaheim. Um, even went back-to-back Knights there. Um, so Knight has been really quite good over the last little stretch that he's been asked to asked to kind of shoulder the load here. And we've seen Knight be good before. He was great in the playoffs for Florida last year as well. Um, very highly regarded prospects. Um, I like the player, but I am anticipating that when Bobrovsky does get back, he's still going to get the majority of starts. And even if you're, if you got a goaltender that's only getting say one third of the starts, I don't think he can really hold on to that guy. He ends up just being like a, a spot stream for one game. Yeah, I, I'm with you. He's definitely a spot stream for me. Um, he's a guy that I picked up earlier in the year in a league that I uh, actually employed the zero G strategy. Um, he he was available and I picked him up and he really struggled right out of the gate, um, which kind of solidified Bobrovsky as as the the true number one guy. It seemed like they were maybe going to platoon, but uh, um, uh, it looks like he's playing a lot better. So, uh, and I mean, Florida... Florida's probably going to win most nights uh, and their schedule for the rest of the season is, is um, uh, their, their opponents are a little bit weaker. So um, if he's in, he's probably going to get you a win. So definitely a spot start, but I agree once Bobrovsky's back, I think he's, he's the guy. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, So Buffalo has been hot garbage lately. Um, unless they're playing the Leafs or Except Jack for... Eichel, yeah. <laughs> so well, I guess they, I guess they beat uh, Calgary last night or the night before, or whenever that was, in a weird one nothing game that was super random. But uh, uh, they are over the last two weeks, they are thirty second in the league in scoring chances for per sixty, uh, and that's including those games against the Leafs uh, where they it, it where they beat them 5-2 in the Heritage Classic uh, and the game against Jack Eichel where they won. So um, that top line uh, with Tuck, Skinner, and and Tage Thompson um, that we've all been harping on uh, to be picking up these guys for the playoffs because of their incredible schedule, they've uh, they've not been doing much, and Darlene is, is right with them. Um, he has had zero points in his last, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six games. Uh, still playing a ton of minutes, so obviously um, it, you don't have to worry about that. He's their top guy no matter what. Still gets you shots, still is going to get you a few hits in a game, um, and blocks as well, because uh, they're, <laughs> I mean, clearly they're getting caved right now, so he's probably going to get you a few blocks here and there. Um, but uh, definitely cause for concern uh, with the Buffalo Sabres. So um, I, I don't think he's not a drop level player just because of his his uh, outstanding playoff schedule. And I mean, he's he, he's probably going to turn it around. He 
gets ridiculous ice time and and plays on power play one and is a trigger man a lot of the time. So, um, but uh, definitely definitely a little concerned about Dolly. And how about you, man? Yeah, uh, I'm. I have some concern for sure. Um, Buffalo, like you said, outside of that top line, they don't have much in the way of scoring. So if that top line's not going you're concerned about there being any scoring for Dahlien to get a piece of. Um, as far as deployment goes, like you mentioned, he's still getting all of it. Top power play, big minutes every single night. The six games in a row with no points is probably a little bit um, just fluky, but no doubt Buffalo is not playing their best hockey at the moment either. Um, so you do have to take that into consideration. Uh, next week, they don't have a great schedule in terms of uh, expected points, I guess you could say. They're playing Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Rangers. Um, but the thing with with the Sabres is that great playoff schedule, right? Um, so really, I think as long as you're not scrapping for that last playoff spot and you're worried about um, Darlene throwing up a few more zeros on the board for you. I think you're holding uh, Darlene into the playoffs just for that terrific schedule, and you're hoping that in the in the interim here that Buffalo can turn it around a little bit and uh, kind of get that semblance of scoring back. Uh, I think I think the top line has been generating enough on their own. Um, they just haven't kind of been getting the bounces maybe that they were getting earlier in the year. Uh, so I'm not I'm not too concerned that Buffalo will just end up not scoring any goals uh, for the rest of the season. I do think there are better days ahead. Uh, so if you can afford to hang on to Darlene, I guess is what I'm saying, hang on to him. If you really, really need somebody for next week, then I guess you could drop him. Um, but uh, if, I, if I can hang on to Darlene, that's what I'm doing with him here. And we're going to talk about another defenseman, uh, Seth Jones. Uh, he's been a kind of a up and down season. He started pretty hot. Everybody was super excited, um, but lately, you know, he's been on and off the top power play. Um, Chicago's been trying all sorts of stuff. He's still getting tons of minutes: twenty-four minutes, forty-eight seconds average over his last five games. The rate stats do not look good if you go under the hood on on Jones. Uh, he did score the Hawks' only goal today in their game uh, here on Saturday. So take that for what it's worth. I believe it was only his fourth of the year, which is not exciting, yeah. but uh, that's kind of Seth Jones' MO to begin with. So um, mm-hmm. Jones is a guy, um, I don't think you're dropping him just because um, the crazy minutes, you still got Kane, you still got Debrinkit there. The Hawks are going to score goals. They're just uh, not going to stop many as well. Uh, so I think they're going to be in some shootouts. I think Jones will get his piece of those. I think he's been getting a little bit unlucky uh, of late, but uh, I don't think he's a drop-worthy player unless there's somebody on your wire. Like maybe if you're in a 10-team league or smaller um, uh, with lots of available options. But this time of year, uh, you look to your defense waiver wires and I don't I don't see many in my leagues anyway that I'm considering picking up over Jones how about you Hutch yeah I'm not dropping Jones he's a weird player where um when you look when you look at his rate stats he's never been a really a great rate stats player the fancy stats guys don't like him at all um he's he's really uh kind of an overrated defenseman in my opinion um I think uh Chicago kind of uh (laughs) 
maybe screwed themselves on on the contract a little bit. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's way too much for Seth Jones. But I mean, he's their number one guy, and he is a great fantasy player, um, regardless of of how he looks on the ice, um, because he hits, blocks, shoots, he plays on PP one, um, and and just gets secondary assists all the time. So um, he's he's yeah, I and is gonna play. I mean, twenty five to thirty minutes a game no matter what. So uh, definitely not dropping him. I have him in a points league uh, with some bangers weight and he's still, he's still getting me points. So not really too worried about Seth Jones. Um, let's talk about Valerie Nichushkin. Um, so he has been the beneficiary as we spoke about earlier this week on the midweek podcast um, of playing on line one of PV one due to Gabriel Landeskog's injury. Um, he's getting tons of ice time. Um, he's played very well in the two games on the top line. He has three goals and an assist. Um, and he has three straight games of four individual scoring chances for each. Um, and, uh, he, uh, yeah, I picked him up in, uh, in a cats league just because, uh, Austin Matthews had a random day to day, uh, status. So I threw him on my IR plus and then picked up Nachushkin for a game. He got me a couple goals. So, um, he, uh, uh, as long as he's on the top line, I'm zeroing in on Nachushkin, especially if you need, uh, goals and assists. Um, what, uh, what do you think, Nate? Yeah. Nachushkin is someone I'm pretty excited about. Uh, it starts with Colorado's schedule next week. They've got a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday set up for next week, four games, three off nights, and then Sunday, which is a bit of a lighter, heavy night, if you will. Um, so definitely a great schedule upcoming for uh, Nichushkin next week. And then, like you mentioned, it's hard to beat that kind of deployment line one power play one in Colorado. Um, it pretty much doesn't get better than that. And Nichushkin is a guy who we've seen take a step forward this season. Um, pretty much the entire season, he's been consistently better than at any point in his career previously. So I do think he's... Uh, legitimately taking a step here and he's good enough to stick um, on that line you've seen the early return so I don't see them going away from it anytime soon Um, so I'm pretty excited about Nachushkin 27% rostered in Yahoo um, plus 7% in the last day I'm seeing so people are are definitely catching on after these last two big games Um, but definitely worth picking up for next uh, next week if you can manage that and the next guy is Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, Yamamoto has been <laughs> someone I, I've been uh, I've been down on for quite some time. Uh, basically, just because his advanced stats always look horrible. Um, so earlier he had three straight games of a goal and an assist. Had a goal and an assist in three straight games, and then today versus New Jersey, Edmonton scores six goals and he has nothing. Um, he had in these four games, these last four games, he had two games where he had actually pretty good chance generation. Uh, and then he had two games of basically nothing, one shot in each of those two games. And one of them happened to go in, which is kind of where Yomamoto has always kind of, uh, tricked people. I think, um, basically this kind of goes back to in 2019, 20, he had a 27 game stretch, uh, at the end of the season where he got on a line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl, he shot uh, 25% and everybody thought like he was the next coming. And uh, ever since that point, like the guy averages in the range of 
five shots per 60, which is about half of what I'm looking for in terms of a viable um, hold on my fantasy teams. Uh, not much better in the individual scoring chances, four per 60. This is this is not a good hockey player in terms of fantasy or I would wager in terms of NHL play either. Um, so I'm not chasing the recent production from Yamamoto. He had a couple of good games, uh, but these last two games, he's kind of right back to what he's always been, which is not much of anything. In my opinion, Yamamoto is borderline not an NHL hockey player. Uh, he's just what they have in Edmonton. Edmonton's such a weird team where like, you see McDavid leading the league in assists. Well, I guess Huberto is, but McDavid usually is. And I'm like, who is he? Whose goals are he assisting on? Because nobody scores other than him and Drysaitel. It's crazy. I, I don't understand. So I, I personally don't like rostering anyone on the Oilers unless they're on PP one. So uh, Yamamoto is not a guy that I even think about ever. Um, so yeah, <laughs> needless to say, I'm not not a Yamamoto guy. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Edmonton's strategy is just to find guys with big butts so that McDavid and Drysaitel can uh, bounce pucks in off them. Yeah, that's kind of their For best real. strategy. For at real, this though, point. yeah. And Zach Hyman, oh my god, perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the perfect, perfect player. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he scores in every which way possible off of whatever body part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for what it's worth, Yamamoto was on power play one uh, again today. Um, okay, but uh, I don't know how long that lasts. I, uh, I and like, does he touch the puck? Like he does he? He, he probably plays plays the bumper, right? Yeah, I would I imagine. Would so I haven't watched any Edmonton recently, but yeah. yeah, I'm I'm pretty much all the way out on Yamamoto. But uh, yeah. Hutch, why don't you? take us into Brock Nelson and we can talk about the Islanders top six a little bit. Yeah. The Islanders have been an offensive juggernaut all of a sudden. It's crazy. So um, Nelson's been a guy, um, been a guy that I've, I've actually suggested um, people pick up and, and, and take a look at, especially going into the, into the playoffs with the Islanders um, strong playoff schedule. Um, he's been ridiculously hot and, uh, he had, I think he had a hat trick today, but he's been scoring in almost every game the last, the last couple weeks. Um, but he also has uh, 11.72 individual scoring chances per 60 in the last five games. Uh, so I, I mean, he's generating offense. Uh, it's, it's not a complete flash in the pan, but obviously like no one is this hot. Uh, but he's been great. I said earlier this week that he's been one of the more consistent, uh, are probably the most consistent offensive forward uh, on the Islanders. Um, but in, in general, the top six has just been finding luck, uh, luck which they didn't have earlier in the year. So um, uh, what, what do you think about the top six, Nate? It's a little weird. It's been a little fluid. Your boy uh, Wallstrom is on line two right now playing with Barzal. Yeah, it's been kind of odd because – um, Wallstrom has been playing with Barzal, which is kind of what I wanted. But then they all. bumped him off the power play. Right. But <laughs> also the Baza- the Barzal line, I'm just looking at last game lines uh, from Dauber here, uh, Frozen Tools, and the Barzal line played the third most minutes at even strength. Oh, so maybe uh, they're the third, last line. Game. They're the third yeah. line then. So the top line by minutes played is Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Anthony Bovillier. The second line by minutes played, Josh Bailey, Kyle 
Palmieri and Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And Palmieri's then, been really good too. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, the, I guess what you would call the third line then is Zach Parise, Matthew Barzell, Oliver Wallstrom. So obviously Barzell's still on top power play and doing all that stuff, but um, yeah, it's been it's been kind of a crazy setup, and I guess it's been working more or less. So they're uh, they're kind of running with that at the moment. Um, I don't really know what to say about each individual guy here. I'm not super interested in many of them, except maybe in deeper leagues. You want to try to try to catch some uh, lightning in a bottle, I guess you'd say, with Kyle Palmieri here, um, Jean Gabriel Peugeot maybe, um, but. Brock Nelson really is the guy for me. If you're going to pick up one of these Islanders, still just 27% rostered. Uh, another guy plus 6% in the last day I'm seeing here on Yahoo. Um, obviously, he's been incredibly hot the last little bit. Um, he's not going to stay that hot um, for sure. He's been shooting something like, I think I looked at it today, 42% in his last five games or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Yeah, so, um, well, he had three goals on three shots today. So Yeah, that's that's one way to get it up there. Yeah, uh, for sure. But at the same time, like you said, that uh, individual scoring chances four per sixty, eleven point seven. Um, that's upper. That's upper echelon for sure. Yeah. And he's been sustaining that for a fair bit of time here. Uh, I've been talking about Nelson. Uh, if you follow my my tweets at Apple's Genos, uh, I've been tweeting about Nelson a fair bit uh, over the last probably month I would say uh calling him a really good pickup especially given the Islanders schedule the Islanders have played like four games a week for the last few weeks and continuing on here um so definitely Nelson is the guy to own uh in uh the island there are some other guys you can cast an eye on um you can you're probably trying to just uh, guess almost at this point though Anders yep. Lee Anthony Bovillier Josh Bailey Kyle Parmari like it doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason there. Um, so you can kind of take your shots there. As of the last game, I guess uh, Pajot, Lee, Nelson, Barzell was the, the top power play unit. So um, maybe go with Pajot, Lee, or if uh, Nelson isn't available, uh, just to try to get some exposure to the top power play. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a fluid situation. Uh, I wouldn't expect it to last uh, once Nelson cools off this heater just a little bit here. Um, who knows what they're going to do with the lines again. I would expect eventually that Barzell would get more deployment and he'd be um, getting more 5v5 and probably get back with Anders Lee, who he's had a lot of success with throughout his career. Um, so definitely a lot going on uh, in the island and one that you definitely have to pay close attention to because there is there is value to be had here, especially given their schedule heading into the fantasy playoffs. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's dig into the ninth player of the night here, Brandon Hagel. Uh, so Hagel was one of these players we are talking about who's been traded for a ridiculous amount of uh, capital uh, by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, has been playing well lately. Last five games, 9.13 individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. That's uh, good, not great, I guess. Um, basically, I'm looking for that 10.0 mark uh, for uh, me to be get really excited about someone. So he's kind of hovering just a little bit below that lately. Uh, opening tonight on the third line in Tampa, which is not ideal, obviously. Uh, with Ross Colton and Matthew Joseph. So not a lot to get excited about in terms of deployment here in Tampa Bay, at least in the first game. 
for Hagel. Um, so I'm not uh, I'm not too excited about rushing out to add Hagel now that he's on a good team. This is kind of what I expected when I saw the trade. Uh, they did this with Blake Coleman in in uh, years past, and it kind of feels like Hagel is just that that uh, final middle six kind of forward that they wanted to add um, to fill a spot on in their lineup. And obviously, if he does get into a top six situation, then I'd be much more interested. If he's on a Kucherov line or he's on a Stamkos line, then he uh, obviously gains a lot of interest and value from a fantasy standpoint. Um, but I don't know. What do you think, Hutch? I'm not too excited. I'm not either. Um, it that <laughs> They paid a ridiculous amount for Brandon Hagel, uh, as we mentioned. Uh, but it is worth noting that he is an RFA at the end of the year. So, so they do retain um retain that control so i think he's going to be playing in tampa bay for a little while um so they're probably almost hoping that he stays on the third line so he doesn't have a ridiculous amount of production and and uh uh but i mean i mean if you win a cup which they're definitely contenders it doesn't really matter um but uh, um uh he i I feel like he could slot into the top six. Um, I just don't think they're going to do it. I, I, Kalorn and Palat are guys that I think could drop down to the third line, but they have been around Tampa for so long and they have that name recognition. I just don't. I just don't see them moving them. Palat's really not been great. Uh, I, I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. He's he's really struggled uh, the last month or two. Um, hasn't really generated anything, even playing on the top line. So I almost wonder if uh, maybe if I was the coach, uh, not, not questioning John Cooper. He's he's uh, the reigning back-to-back good. Stanley Cup uh, winning coach. So, uh, but I might be trying Hagel on that on that top line and maybe maybe putting Pilot on the third. But um, yeah, until until he slots into the top six and on the uh, and. Uh, playing more power play minutes. Um, I don't think he'll, he'll ever slot into PP one on that team, but uh, I'm not really that interested. Yeah. Um, so the last player we're going to talk about is Tyson Berry and he is back. Uh, he's averaged 1905 uh, time on ice uh, in the last three games with seven minutes and 14 seconds uh, on average on the power play. Um, so he uh, he's clearly the guy um, once again on that top power play. Um, he has eight points in his last five games uh, with four power play points. Um, I'd be riding that wave. Um, if you're if you're a guy that um, got a little bit itchy and and dropped him a little while ago, not mentioning any names, Big C. <laughs> um, I I'd be I'd be a little bit salty right now. Uh, but it looks like Tyson Berry has has returned to form, at least in terms of point production. Still a terrible defenseman, um, still playing on the on, on the third pair, but somehow getting a ridiculous amount of minutes because um, the power play is is so great, uh, and they're getting lots of opportunities there. So, uh, what do you think, Nate? Is that sustainable? Yeah, um, sorry, I threw in these stats, so I tripped you up here, but that uh, 7 minutes, 14 seconds power play, that's over the last three games. And oh, just, that's total. <laughs> yeah, My that's bad. total, that's, not average. I was like, that'd that's a lot, crazy. man. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my bad. I tripped you up there, but... Um, yeah, definitely has reclaimed the top power play, uh, at least for the time being. Um, 
they've kind of been going with a split power play and Darnell Nurse is like not in the picture anymore. It's Evan Bouchard and Duncan Keith as the the kind of second pair on the power play two. But we all know that Edmonton kind of runs this like power play one and then whoever else they just kind of throw over the boards for the last 10 seconds of every power play. Um, <laughs> so Barry is that guy again at the moment. Um, kind of kind of what I expected him to be, to be honest. I didn't expect yeah. him to be like a 22-minute uh, a night kind of guy. Uh, expected him to be on the power play, get lots of power play points. Um, four shots in each of his last two games. You love to see that. He's even throwing a couple hits, got a few blocks the last few games. He's kind of doing the thing right now. So yeah. definitely uh, worth riding with for now. He's pretty pretty widely rostered, 79% plus 10% in the last day. So people are uh, definitely back on board with Barry, at least for the moment. And you should be too, in my opinion. Yep, yeah, I'm with you. All right, folks, that's all we got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. If you are interested in receiving even more content from Apples and Genos, including guaranteed answers to all of your fantasy hockey questions and a uh, weekly waiver wire article, you can check out the Apples and Genos Patreon, which we'll link in the show description. Many thanks here to the band They're There for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well. And that's it, folks. Much love. Have a good one.